Welcome to Long Story Short. Each week, we sit down with different guests to discuss issues important to the campus community at the University of Utah. week, we're sitting down with Anne Darling to discuss the decline of the humanities in higher education. Dr. Anne Darling is an associate professor at the University of Utah in the Communication Department. After receiving a BA from the University of New Mexico in secondary education with an emphasis in speech communication and theater, she went on to earn a Master's of Arts in Speech Communication, also from the University of New Mexico, as well as a PhD in Instructional Communication from the University of Washington in 1987. Anne has been at the University of Utah since 1992 and will retire after the spring 2023 semester, having held positions such as the director of the Center for Teaching and Learning Excellence, 1996 to 2002, the chair of the Department of Communication from 2002 to 2011, and the senior associate dean for the Office of Undergraduate Studies. After 31 years at the University of Utah, Dr. Darling will be retiring upon completion of the spring 2023 semester, which is super exciting. Um, Congratulations. And yeah. Yeah, let's just shoot right into our topic today about the purported decline of the humanities. Um, but first, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your career in higher education, and what has motivated you as an educator? Mm, sure, absolutely. First of all, small correction. I yes. uh, was a so- assistant vice president in the Office of Undergraduate Studies in charge of general education and learning outcome assessment. Okay. I haven't updated my vita lately, and that's why uh, you read what you read. So oh, but thank you for correcting me. all on me. <laughs> no worries. So you wanted some background on me? Yeah, yeah. I'd just love to hear more about your career. Okay. I uh, grew up in New Mexico, born and raised in New Mexico. My father was uh, a longtime education person. He, when I was a little girl, he was principal of the only elementary school in the small town that I mm. uh, lived in. Um, and then uh, he got his PhD at the University of Texas at Austin and moved around to follow that until he landed in New Mexico as a dean of the College of Education there at the cool. University of New Mexico. Um, I had an aunt who was a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse in New Mexico, so education has probably always been in my blood. Yeah. When my father was dean, we would invite his chairs to dinner, and uh, I would be invited to argue with the associate deans as a upstart. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So. so since you've had, you know, teaching versus working as an administrator, and you kind of mentioned you have that in your blood, what are the biggest differences between the two? Between teaching and administration? Yeah. Oh, very little. Yeah. Really. Um, I think that's what made me a decent administrator is because I love teaching. Administration is all about helping people find their best legs and do their best work. Mm. And that's what teaching is helping people find their best legs and do their best work. Cool, yeah. So I find the two interchangeable. The skills and dispositions of the two are interchangeable in my mind. Well, what are some of your favorite things about your job? About, you know, teaching Teaching or administration? Oh, there is nothing on the planet better than helping people find their best legs and do their best work. It's just, it's like a dream come true. It's so fun to watch that. 
Um, cool. So that's the best part. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'd love to just shoot into, you know, the decline of the humanities. Um, could you just talk a little bit about what this means to you, uh, what we're seeing going on? Okay. So first of all, uh, I like to say the purported decline in the humanities. Right. Um, and because I think that... Um, we live in a time where people are trying to tell stories about, well, human beings tell stories about who we are with each other as long as there's been times. Mm. So that's what we do. Right now, there's a, there's a dominant narrative that's saying that the humanities are on the decline. And that, new, that, that narrative is, is built on certain patterns, database patterns, and um, one of which I'd like to just kind of provide an example of how that pattern is being mis misinterpreted possibly, okay, yeah. to talk about the many examples that we could unpack. So one of the uh, purported reasons that the humanities is declined is humanities graduates don't make enough money mm. to live a sustainable life. But if you dig in deeper, you understand that the humanities, people who in the is also a more feminine discipline than engineering or business. There are more women in humanities than in engineering and business still to this day. Mm, yeah. Even though engineering is doing a great job in business, but I happen to know a lot more about engineering in this particular moment, uh, doing a great job of you know, rebalancing their gender dynamics. Yeah. But we know that women get paid at least a third less than men. Right. And similarly, in disciplines like education and humanities and the arts, which tend to be more feminized disciplines, then they're getting paid less. Mm. So it's not about the major. Oh, wow. It's about the gender. That's so interesting. I've never thought about that. And that's that just factor. one. Yeah. The National Humanities Center published a report in 2021, the State of the Humanities, Workforce and Beyond. I encourage all your listeners to go look it up. It's on. You can find it by Googling. Very simple. Yeah, but okay. it's full of demystifying data like that. Wow. Mm -hmm. I want to look more into this. Okay, yes. cool. Yes. It's a purported decline. Right. Um, I think largely because we are in a period of time where people are really concerned about jobs and economy and that's wonderful right but we got to be we got to be a little bit more critical in how we interpret the stories we're being told and the data that we're looking at so which is what the humanities teaches you to do right exactly mm -hmm. okay cool um well first before we get more into that um i just would love to hear more factors behind the decline the you know the purported decline so it sounds like it's mostly kind of these stories being told, right? Well, that's like, what I'm saying. So okay. you can, in, you uh, another little decline data point is that fewer people are majoring in the humanities, and we're struggling with that here at this university. Mm. So that's an argument being leveled, that the humanities are in decline because there's not enough majors. Yeah. But again, if you dig in and you look at double majors and triple majors, you will find... Mm that outside of business and, and engineering, who their curriculum are too packed for double majors or triple majors, you will find a lot of double majors and triple majors, people who are majoring in political science and humanities, or people who oh, are okay. majoring in, we've got, even in the College of Fine Arts also, because they have a very tight curriculum, it's hard, but even in the College of Fine Arts, we have people who are majoring in ballet or dance and yeah. taking a minor or a certificate in the humanities because mm. they know they're not going to dance all their lives. Yeah. They're going to have to run dance studios or do something else. 
And so the humanities provides the foundation for that something else. So there may be a decline, maybe right. a decline in the number of humanities majors right now, but there's not a decline. There's a growth in the m- number of majors who are double majoring in humanities mm. and triple majoring in humanities. So is it that a lot of these statistics aren't really showing the double majors yeah. most of the time? I think. I don't know. Okay. I don't. I To be honest with you, I haven't haven't explored the story of the decline in the humanities deeply enough to figure out what the stories are. Just these few data points uh, yeah. I you know, kind of wanted to share with you. Oh, totally, yeah. yeah. And it's cool to just hear your observations as well, right? Because I think it's an issue that's so hard to get a grasp on right. just because we're going off these statistics that are so meta-level, right? Right. Um, and yeah. told as if they're reified factual concrete knowledge. Right, yeah. But we need to look at the statistics in new ways with all these different factors. All the different angles. Slice yeah. them up. Mm-hmm. Totally. Well, so could you just go into a little bit of how maybe we can get more people interested in the humanities? Like, why are the humanities important you know, for people to know about, to learn about. Well, first of all, I, I think we need to acknowledge the people that are interested in the humanities. Imagine being a humanities double major or minor and hearing people say, oh, the humanities are dead. So we yeah. got to quit doing that. We got to mm. quit participating in the narrative that the humanities are dying and just tell the story about the successful humanities majors, double majors, triple majors, what they're doing with their work, where they're placing themselves. There's some magnificent, really interesting things. I mean, a fine arts student taking a double major in, you know, communication because they know they're going to have to teach. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I would kind of Invite on, on more of a philosophical level, not a database level. I would ima- I would invite us all to remember that all the problems that we're trying to solve are human problems. Mm. If there's no humans, there's no problems to solve. Right. All the problems that we need to solve are human problems and grounded in human systems, human mythology, human histories, human language, human behaviors. Just in terms of all of the problems that society is yes, currently dealing water. with. Yes, water. Yeah. Water. Water usage, the Great Salt Lake, right? All of that comes down to people who need to use water, people who have feelings about water, people have language about water. There's a a tradition, and I believe its grounding is Jewish. Please forgive me, listeners, if I'm wrong about that, that if you learn a language, you learn a world. Mm, I've heard that, yeah. Okay? So, So language is not grammar. It's not vocabulary and grammar. Right. It is a worldview, a, 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 an epistemology, an ontology, and all those big old ontology words. It's all of that. Yeah. And so if we're going to solve any of our problems, we need to understand the whole of those problems. Why do people feel like they do about water? What what does it mean to them? What are the spiritual roots of water in our yeah. cultures? What are the mythological roots of water in our culture? Um, how can those mythological and, and spiritual roots help us with our understanding of what's happening to mm. our geography? Totally. I mean, it seems like a lot of times when people ask me about my like English major, you know, it's kind of like, is it just grammar? But I totally agree with you that it's like, hey, there's all these other factors of mythology and spirituality. And um, so I want to hear more just about what advice you would give to humanities students or people that are potentially questioning if they should, you know, go into humanities. Well, they should toot their horns more. Yeah. They should tell their stories louder. Mm. Uh, That's another thing. You know, our business students know 
you have to tell your story. You have to get it out there. Yeah. And our humanities students don't always know that. So I, I, you know, I would encourage all of us to tell our stories about what we're doing with the humanities. Brag. Make mm. sure. Um, you know, sometimes you get lo- so lost in the work that you don't for- you forget to take your head above water and realize you've got to tell people what you do and why it's important, how to do it, and right? What what the consequences are of not kind of thinking about our languages and our histories and our philosophies and our spiritualities and our totally. mythologies and all the th- all the things that make us human. Yeah. Well, don't you think it's one of those things too, right? Where if everyone's saying um, you know, the humanities are declining. How you were saying, like, if we switch the narrative and say, like, hey, there's a lot of success here, it's almost kind of manifesting that, where more people will start saying that, it'll start changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the ways that we can share our stories, do you think? Do you think it's mostly... Well, these podcasts are a wonderful idea. Yeah. yeah and another cool. question I would invite my humanities folks to ask yeah. is, why are, they, why are people trying to hide the humanities behind mm. this story of their decline? Yeah. I'd invite some of our critical theorists and philosophers to kind of help us understand why people want to hide the humanities right now. Yeah. There's a lot of really important humanities-related problems. Racism isn't going anywhere unless yeah. we're going to put the humanity shoulders to work. But people certainly don't want racism to die. So, so I would be asking questions about why are people working so hard to tell the story that the humanities are dead. Yeah. There may be some human problems that people don't want us to solve. Interesting. And do you think that's where do you think that's coming from? I have no earthly idea. Yeah. That, that's beyond my pay grade or my uh, well, experience. Yeah, no, I think there's so many worldviews happening, yes. right? Where it's yeah. a thing that's why we need to be talking about the humanities yes. is just more looking at these issues yeah. with a critical lens. Right. Um well, you know, we kind of talked about what students should know, what advice you'd give to students. Um, in terms of universities, you know, working to drive a resurgence with the humanities or even employers in the private sector working to bring value to the humanities education, um, what work can be done there? Hmm. You got me. I'm not, I mean, I, I, beyond telling the stories and yeah. looking inside and realizing inside your own worlds, what would happen if people didn't know how to relate to one another? Inside your own businesses, yeah. what, what would happen if we suddenly quit understanding each other or understanding our clients or our partners, our customers? Yeah. You know, we can't get too far in any of the other worlds that we're so invested in unless we understand the humans that are involved. So mm. um, I guess I would tell my... My partners in business, and really the big, big thinkers in business and engineering, and I'm sorry, all of you, that I picked on them a little bit today. They're just the easiest examples. The big thinkers know you can't do it without humanities. Right. You know, the big thinkers know that you can't tell stories that we're going to bring box office, major box office success without telling human stories. And you can't tell human stories unless you understand humans. Yeah. So, so you know, it again. I go back to the purported decline of the humanities, and who's benefiting from the purported decline of the humanities, and and how do we bring forward what the humanities are doing, busy doing right now, in in many many places. Yeah, I think every student would benefit. Of course, I think this from double ma- majoring, double majoring, and tripling majoring in the humanities because yeah, every job totally. you take is going to be 
humans. There is no, there are no cubicles with Dilberts anymore. Yeah, right. Well, do you think that um, you know giving more ontology almost to um, technology is is becoming an issue at all? Like I hear that more, there's oh, more computer science majors than humanities now, right? And, yeah. Um, and I know like there's some high school students who are using like chatbot type things to write essays do you think that could potentially be causing issues to say like hey like artificial intelligence can help with this um well you know since the gutenberg bible people have been telling the story that oh my god this technology is going to end the humanities really and truly really and truly the printing press was going to end the humanities uh, radio was going to end the humanity. Television was going to end. So mm. this is just a story that keeps getting told. Right. Humans, by definition, are ever-changing beings. Yeah. So an AI can only track what we've been doing. It uses past algorithms and patterns to report what we've been doing. It cannot capture our creativeness. It mm. cannot capture our forwardness, yeah. how we're going to adapt and evolve and change. Right. So, no, I'm not worried about anything. I'm, yeah. I'm not worried about a thing. Good. Well, and it, it sounds like there's just a lot of cycles, right? And yes. maybe this is like yes. the decline, of, the purported Weather, decline is yes. just kind of, hey, it's just part of what we've been going through forever, right? Yes. Um, cool. Well, hey, I'd love to just go more into you and kind of talking about your career. Um, I'd love hearing about, like, if you have, you know, some favorite memories working in higher education, oh, favorite classes so you've taught. Oh, I have so many. Yeah, I'd love to hear some. I have if, so some come many. To mind. Um, so let me tell one administrative story, and then, and then let me talk to you about this year that I'm having awesome, right yeah. now. So one administ- when I took over as chair of the Department of Communication, one of the former chairs talked to me, and he said to me, and you're about to learn things about your colleagues that you wished it didn't know. Mm. And what he meant by that was how mis- people misbehave. You know, they try to get away with things yeah. you know, that they shouldn't be getting away with. Right. And that's true. I did learn things about my colleagues. You don't really want to know which of your colleagues is going to try and get away with the most things that they're not supposed to get right. away with. Yeah. But you also learn the very, very, very best about humanity. Mm. You learn about people who are willing to step in. Like we had a, a I had a faculty member who had, um, who was dying. Mm. He had a very, uh, you know, one of those uh, prognoses that you don't want: death in six months. Yeah. And the faculty just rallied. They covered his classes. They took over his committees. Um, so, mm, you know, wow. that's what we do, and that's yeah. what you learn, especially in higher ed because it's a community. This year, I, I gave myself the right, because I've been an administrator so long, to just teach and only teach the way that I wanted to teach all year cool. long. So I've not been a cop. I've, I've not uh, told people what they weren't good at. Yeah. I, didn't, I haven't told students what they needed to improve on. I only told them, I've only been telling them what I see them as being good at cool. and what they're growing. And, um, you know, I, I don't know at the end of the year how they'll feel about it. But I know that I've totally enjoyed focusing only on the birth and the blossoming and the blooming mm. and not on who's trying to get away with things or yeah. who's telling me stories about why they came to come to class or why they have to be late. I don't care about any of that. I don't care about any of it. Yeah. I just care about watching whatever they choose to bloom and blossom on and whatever they choose to enjoy about this particular set of experiences. Mm. So, And it's been 
I mean, so fun. I wish yeah. I'd done that my whole teaching life. Oh, but I didn't. cool. Well, so. it sounds like just focusing on strengths, right? And yes. like really building those and up. Joy and joy. Yeah. And growth totally. and happiness. Yes. Well, okay, here's a question for you. Yes. What do you think humanity is at its best, at our best? So my favorite example of this is Margaret Mead. And I don't remember, Ben, if I told you this in class or not, but Margaret Mead is famous for saying, somebody asked her, and you know who Margaret Mead is? I don't Famous actually. anthropologist. Okay, very, okay. very, very famous anthropologist. Okay, cool. If you were an anthropology major, you would know what I'm about to tell you. That's how famous she is. Yeah, okay. So, so somebody asked her, how do you know when civilization has taken hook? When you look back over all these cultures, how do you know when you've come across a, a culture that was civilization had taken over and it was going to be a solid mm. community. And she says, when I find the bones of a healed femur, mm. because you can't heal a femur unless somebody stays behind to help you. Wow. So if you've been wounded or fallen and the, and the tribe is moving on or the communities, if you have a bone with a healed femur, you know somebody stayed behind to help. Yeah. And that is humanity is its best, is looking back and staying and helping, mm. in my opinion. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Well, sure. um, before we wrap up, I'd love to just, you know, if there's anything else you'd like to say, any finishing words or um, just other advice you'd love to give to students. Just keep doing what you're doing and don't, don't fall in love with the negative comments people give you because mm. they're not as useful as the positive ones. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it was such a pleasure to talk to you, Dr. Darling. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you very much for having me. Hey guys, we're going to do an awesome panel today. Um, this is Talmadge, and I'm talking with Ben. Ben, fourth year senior here at the U, majoring in political science and peace and conflict studies. And uh, yeah, we're just going right. to shoot right into um, talking about the purported right. decline of the right. humanities. So Ben, what were your thoughts on this interview? Yeah, I mean, it was a good interview with uh, Dr. Ann Darling. Yeah, I'm an English major, um, so it was really cool to kind of get her humanities perspective, right, with me being part of the College of Humanities. Well, I mean, peace and conflict, that's part of the humanities right. as well. Yeah, so my peace and conflict studies major is a part of the College of Humanities, right? So a lot of my, that's a lot of my degree has been a hodgepodge of humanities classes, and I've been excited to, you know, be in this program and right. learned a lot, but... Also excited to graduate. Yeah, this, uh, heck yeah. Next semester, right? Yeah, that's coming right up. Say at the end of this semester. <laughs> yeah, you and uh, Anne are finishing up at the same time, Say, I guess. Yeah, no, that was a <laughs> that was a good interview. I thought we, you know, we talked about this purported decline of the humanities, right? And yeah. She seemed more optimistic than perhaps I would be. Mm, okay, cool. So tell me more about that. Like, what are your thoughts about the decline of the humanities? Yeah. Well, I thought I thought Anne made a lot of good points. We're talking about double majors. We talk about, you know, we tell these stories about the decline of the humanities. Yeah. And maybe that's not all it's made up to be. But I am concerned that less students are um, doing the humanities, right? Yeah, totally. Well, I think that it's – well, maybe let's get – even just go down to the base level like what Ben? like what are the what do the humanities mean to you like when you hear that word humanities yeah, like what is that humanities essence? it's kind of our it's our basic almost like full 
human exploration, right? Yeah. You know, both uh, of our culture, I think, as humans, you know, talking about um, the topics that are important to us, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think that's... I mean, really, probably just anything human-related, right? As right. she was saying. Well, because we have so many different things. We have linguistics, we have peace and conflict studies, we have English is in the College of the Humanities, yeah. communication. So, yeah. yeah, I think you I think you hit the nail on the head there. Totally. Well, and so tell me more about what you've learned in peace and conflict studies, because oh, I right. haven't taken any classes in that, so... I can, you know, infer certain things based on those words, but I don't know a ton about it. Right. No, we here's the thing. We don't have a ton of peace and conflict studies courses here at the U. Yeah. Okay. Um there's only a few. Um some of there's some like peace and conflict courses in like you know, international security and stuff in mm. the Department of Political Science more so, okay. but it's definitely not what I would call a um, – not a huge program, right? Right. There's only a few of us that I'd say are majoring in it um, comparatively to other majors. It's a smaller program. Um, mm. Dr. Dave Derizotis just retired after a lot of years running the program. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where the program goes in the future. And whether whether they keep it the way it's been or yeah. I don't know. It's it's yeah. going to be interesting to see, but it's a lot of the classes I've taken, it's a lot of like dialogue courses, right? Right. Learning to um talk with each other about difficult topics, right? Navigating conflict, right? So my class with um Anne Darling has been conflict in dialogue or something. I don't remember the exact. Um, I forget the titles too of my classes. Yeah, like the exact. Um, but yeah, so tell me more about what you guys. Right. No, the exact. Um, the exact name of the course. Right. But it's like we talk about. You know, how do we navigate conflict, negotiation, understanding identities and perspectives of people who are in conflict. Yeah. Um, what conflict means, right? And that's been valuable, right? My um, another class I took, right, was like our intro to peace and conflict studies. We'd talk about like international conflicts. We'd talk about, you know, um, human security, food insecurity, mm. and, you know, nuclear proliferation. I mean, yeah. just a whole it's been a whole wide variety of all these things in my peace and conflict degree. Um, totally. But. Well, yeah. and why is that important, do you think? Like, because I feel like for me, like. There's so many, um, I mean, there's always been problems that the world deals with, right? Um, right? And I think we're facing unique ones, like, in our age right now, like, in 2020s, you know? And I feel like just having humans, like, be able to talk about so many of our issues, whether, yeah, it's food insecurity, nuclear threats, etc., cetera, um, with a critical lens and being able to see the other side is so important. I, I don't know, I'm curious, like, what, you, what your thoughts yeah. are. It is so important that we understand each other. Yeah. I mean, even just in this country, we are incredibly divided. We're an incredibly divided people. Um, And it's happened a lot over our lifetimes, more so, I feel like. It concerns me, you know. Yeah. More so, even since, you know, I can see since the Trump presidency, I think. The one whose name we we will not speak (laughs) of. (laughs) I think we've. We've kind of lost our filters with each other, mm. especially since the pandemic. 
Right. We haven't learned. And I mean, yeah, we should be authentic with other people. Yeah. But sometimes you don't need to say what you're thinking. Mm, interesting. Okay. I don't know. Sometimes I think, you know, sometimes your thoughts can be best left alone. Some things are best left unsaid exactly. kind of a thing. Yeah. You don't have to tell everyone your every thought on their words or actions. Right. Right. And I think we lost a lot of our ability to communicate civilly with each other. Now, we've also seen, I think, an uptake in hate crimes. We've seen an uptake mm. in you know, bigotry that people are willing to voice when we talk about losing our filters, right? Yeah. And that needs to be called out. Right. right. But it's like if the argument doesn't matter, if it's a silly thing, sometimes I feel like we still are getting into these you know, asinine um, conflicts one with another in that, um, I don't know. Yeah, just even ad hominems attacking the person rather than the idea mm -hmm. right and well you know i think since we i know we want more people in the humanities i really do think that yeah. like having more people even if they're not majoring in it just take some classes in it um whether yeah, it's english peace and conflict studies being able to know more about how to just talk to your fellow human being is so crucial yeah. and like dr darling say like that compassion of like don't leave anyone behind too that's important as well right um, so I want to hear your perspective on what you think, you know, the administration could do, university could do, um, and society could do on getting more people involved with the humanities. Right. I mean, there's a couple things, right? Yeah. First in the humanities, we need to, we need to apply our skills. We need to say, here are the skills you're going to learn in these classes. And we need to show as you know people who are gonna you know we're gonna go out one day we're gonna have jobs right maybe maybe you and i will be employers someday yeah knows, heck yeah right like it's as like people who are in the private sector need to market those skills right mm. say this like show that value right that yeah. value of being able to communicate being able to handle conflicts being able to like understand you know deep societal problems right um and show that this is valuable and they need to like put the money where your mouth is right totally like if you value this market those skills and hire humanities grads mm, um, yeah if it, but also like sometimes i think and this problem is obviously not exclusive to the humanities but sometimes in academia we can come off as condescending humanities students not just students not just in humanities. Yeah. But, like, it, it's a problem we see in the academia, the academy. In mm, general, right? Yeah, right. Because, you know, the, you, have you ever heard, like, the ivory tower analogy? Tell me about it. Right? Like, where it's, you know, just, like, professors up in their ivory tower. Mm, it's kind of in their own bubble kind of right, a thing. Yeah. Like the idea that higher ed is a bubble. Yeah, totally. And to an extent, I think sometimes it is. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Is we are not relating to people... Um, who maybe view humanities or who view higher ed in general, right? Yeah. You know, colleges have become too woke, they'll say. Colleges yeah. Colleges have become, you know, liberal enclaves. Right. And, I mean, the vast majority of professors are liberals. Yeah, that's right? true. And we can we can talk about whether we think that's right or wrong. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I don't think it's, it does it's, either. It's, it's like it doesn't matter whether we're right or wrong about being liberals. You know, both of us, I think, are more progressive. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so, definitely. But it's it's how we come off to people, mm, right? Yeah. It's how we come off 
um, to people who are not in that bubble, right? I totally agree with you. And that, I think, has done a lot of harm. It's done yeah. a lot of harm to the perception of higher education, you know, to the idea that you can't be more conservative, right? Um, and I don't think that's true. I think I've seen plenty of conservative students thrive. Yeah. But, like, and you're going to have to understand, like, if you're studying human interactions, right, we talk about racism. Mm. Like, you can't you can't escape some of these things. You know? Right. Like, your ideas are going to be challenged. But I yeah. think sometimes we need more voices maybe to challenge more progressive ideas on their merits. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, and, yeah, I yeah. think even in a classroom setting, some of my favorite moments in the classroom are when a student says something really challenging. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean something like um, – I have really never experienced anything where a student says something super hateful in class, yeah. you know. But just a student bringing up whether it's a conservative opinion, something super far left, like more communist, or something right. just challenging in general. Like I don't understand what we're talking about and – um you know, what we're talking about in class is challenging my preconceptions of this topic. I love that, you know, because then it opens up a dialogue and it, I think it allows a lot of growth, right. and you I know, think sometimes we don't allow that totally. Um, yeah. Or even we don't create an environment where students feel comfortable challenging, challenging the status quo. Cause like I have to recognize my opinions are going to be more in the mainstream of what a college student thinks. Right? Mm, yeah. Not always, but in more often than not and so i'm not always getting a challenge right to what i'm thinking right i was talking to a friend the other day and he was just like higher ed's become a bubble yeah and you know all the professors are liberals and um it's it's a problem you know that they they're not being challenged right and right i think what even when we become challenged we can come off as condescending, like I said before. And mm -hmm. that, that, like, I think does harm. That does harm yeah. to, you know, the future of higher education and our ability, you know, as institutions to foster, especially in the humanities, right? Yeah. To foster this intellectual growth, right? How can we expect to go out into the world where there are so many challenging beliefs out there. Yeah. If we can't defend our own beliefs, if we cannot stand up to scrutiny. Yeah. Because I tend to think that liberal causes, more progressive causes, stand up to scrutiny. Not mm, always. And, right. You know, I think there's a high amount of nuance in my own personal politics. But, like, we need to learn to be able to operate in the gray. You know, it's not always... And, you know, it's it's not it's also not capitulating to, you know, hate speech. Yeah. You know, like if somebody's like saying, oh, well, I'm not going to use pronouns like that was like the big Jordan Peterson thing, you know, mm. back in the day. If you remember, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, I know Jordan Peterson. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it's it's like like I'm not you know saying we need to like engage with those actors, mm. you know, because there are bad actors out there. But yeah. We need to engage with people who are willing to engage in good faith. And we need to be willing to engage in good faith. Yeah, to totally. Understand each other. Yeah, no, and I totally agree with you. It's almost kind of what you're saying is, you know, a level of meeting people at their level, you know, and saying like, hey, like maybe we don't see eye to eye on this, but we can talk about it right. and figure it out and find what we connect mm -hmm. on. But also, you know, having a backbone and saying like, hey, if this is a cause that I really believe in, it's also important to be able to talk about that in the real world and mm -hmm. say like hey i really think that 
you know, we should be compassionate to each other just as like a super simple, you know, concept. (laughs) Um, You know, and I think there are a lot of issues too where, I mean, I'm still grown as a person. Like, I'm sure there's plenty of issues I know nothing about, you know, where like I want someone to tell me like, yo, I, I want to be taught, you know, if there's something I don't know a lot about, um, I don't know, like, you just brought up the Jordan Peterson thing, and, like, I feel like if maybe if he said something like, I don't know a lot about this, can I talk to people to learn more about it? Like, he probably would have come across in a better way, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe that's not the best example, but I guess just having more conversations, and I think that, you know, relates to humanities totally. We don't have to engage with bad actors, but there are plenty of people out there who just, like, don't understand, you know? And one thing... Um, that I hear a lot, you know, um, is, you know, especially when we talk about this, like, what have we seen this, like, you know, supposedly anti-woke movement, right? Mm, Yeah. One thing we need to remember as we engage with that movement is we cannot force people to be woke. Right. You You can't force somebody to, you cannot force them to have those same opinions as you, right? Yeah. Well, you have you can only help them learn. Yeah. And you they have to do the learning though, right? Right. It's not up to us to do the learning for them. Like we can't I can't, you know, tell say if I have a relative, you know, who won't either won't use pronouns or thinks gay marriage should be illegal, you know, or doesn't believe in systematic racism. I can't force them and be like you have to believe this, you know? Mm, yeah, we got free will, right? Like, exactly. we all got to learn stuff on our own and exactly. on our own time. But, I mean, one thing I was – so I was watching this um, interview with uh, Barack Obama and Trevor mm-hmm. Noah the other night, and uh, Barack Obama was kind of talking about, like, how, you know, as a society, like, on a worldwide scale, we're changing really fast, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we're becoming really progressive and, like, more worldwide, more mm-hmm. globalist, um, and I think it's normal for people to react to that too. If they're like, Hey, this is changing really quick, you know? Um, right. like I don't blame reactionaries. Like I think sometimes people can get too reactive, but I think figuring out how to also make people feel like they aren't being left behind and like come to people's level is super important yeah. too. Right. And yeah, obviously there's hateful people and like that's its own separate thing almost. Right. But like, I, I don't know. I think as long as people have the baseline of, like, good faith and compassion, like, yeah, I don't know. And I think that relates back to humanities. And I think, you yeah, know, those that's, virtues that's can be taught. It. Yeah. It's, we need the humanities, and we need the humanities to challenge us. Yeah. And we need to be challenged in the humanities, right? Totally. That's where I think we see this purported decline in the humanities and where, like— you know, Anne's right. We see a lot of people are still involved in the humanities, and we need to toot our horn. We need to tell our stories. Yeah, but our also, stories. <laughs> <laughs> but we also need, need, desperately need to learn to engage in dialogue in a more appropriate format, right? Did you hear about the Stanford Law students recently? I don't think so, no. They'd invited a – well, it's the Federalist Society, I guess. So I should be very clear on the facts here. Oh, the yeah, The Federalist yeah. Society at Stanford, which is like a conservative legal group, had yeah, invited I know a them. federal judge to Stanford, right? Mm. And students came and they shouted him down because they disagreed with his legal philosophy. Mm, right? yeah. And I mean I really don't like a lot of things about this federal judge – Personally. I don't vibe with the Federalist right. Society. I know that. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm not going to defend the judge yeah. for his thing. But, like, 
people were shouting him down. There was like read something about a dean encouraging it, you know. Yeah. Like it was that's so that's sort of thing where we can't engage in civil dialogue anymore. Yeah, totally. And you know, now there's the whole conversation of like, should this guy be invited? Maybe yeah. not. You know. I don't know. Yeah. But also like I remember Utah Valley University, they brought Michael Moore, who was like mm-hmm. a liberal guy, and people were doing the same thing to him, you know? Oh, yeah. Like it's like you can't shout like and we evolved from apes, you know what I mean? Like it's normal to want to shout and be like, you know what I mean? Like that's in our that's, DNA that's an interesting to like challenge. have a protest and be like, yo, like our evolution um, has that in it. But I also think that we need to bring civility to conversation and it's a constant thing to strive for. Right, you know? right. I mean, I'd be careful um, on the evolving from apes thing. Yeah. You know, I'd be careful because, you know, we talk about oppressed groups. You know, there is some racist tropes. Oh, yeah, I don't mean it that way. I know you don't. I know you don't. It's like, yeah, no, I'd be cautious with that, but I agree. Yeah, totally. We need just be civil with people, right? And then afterwards, you can excoriate them on your, uh, what do you call it, Patreon articles, you know? Yeah, right, yeah. You know, your, your, uh, you know, online social media. Say, I really disagree with this guy. I think he's a terrible person or whatever you want to do. Yeah. I mean, maybe don't do that, but like. You can. You have every right to, right? Right. Give your free speech. But also, like, when you're in a forum, in a public forum with someone, try to engage with ideas rather than try to shut down speech that we disagree with. Like, totally. Even if you find that speech hateful. I yeah. Like, yeah, know, right. Right. And if it's obviously someone's being, like, There's a line, blatantly right? racist, Yeah. maybe it's time we say, hey, uh, we take the mic away. Mm. If somebody's, you know— Yell saying racial slurs or something, or yeah, I think society's always right. got to figure out our line, right? right? But what's the line? But yeah, at some level, we do have to tolerate like a different opinion, yeah, right? right. Freedom of speech is a really important virtue, you know. Um, well, hey, I think we should probably wrap yeah. this up, but do you have like final thoughts just about the decline of the humanities? Or I thought this was a great episode. No, I thought it was important. It was a great episode. Great to have Anne Darling on. Yeah. She's a great professor I've had. Um, like I said, it's it's about being willing to engage, right? Being yeah. willing to employers, being willing to value the humanities. College is putting money where their mouth is, put funding the humanities. Yeah. You know, that advertisement. Um, this is how you can have a, like, lucrative career. Yeah. You do live in a capitalist society. Um, right. People want to make money, but, um, yeah. I think this is a good time. Any any last thoughts, Cal? Heck, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, just keep sharing our stories. Exactly. And that that's what we're all about here, right? At our stories. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> awesome. Right. All right. Well, thank you, Ben. Thank you to our listeners. And yeah, have a good rest of your day. We'll see you next time. that's been another episode of long story short we hope that you found this episode interesting and informative and if you've enjoyed today's episode please make sure to look out for our next one